Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. This podcast is an experiment in philosophical conversation, intended to inspire hope and inspiration in your creative pursuits. Follow along as I interview creatives from all backgrounds and walks of life. Listen while you work, listen while you create, listen while you dream up your next breakthrough idea. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, or craft, whatever that looks like. Now, let's dive into this concept we call creativity. Welcome, my friends, to the podcast. Thanks for coming. I appreciate you, and I appreciate those listening ears that you are bringing to the table today. I'm definitely curious what you're working on because uh, that's the idea, that's the intention is that you listen to this podcast while you're you're making art, you're building something, you're designing something, you're thinking about it. Even when you're driving, it's a great time to listen to podcasts because you can really just like, you know, come up with your ideas, come up with who knows what. A lot of breakthroughs happen when you're sort of occupied with some little low level thing like driving and then uh, your subconscious can do the work, um, do the heavy lifting underneath. But today, I've got a really great interview. This is my good friend, Dan Howe. Dan and I grew up uh, just outside of Boulder, Colorado together. We've had all kinds of cool adventures. He has lived a really awesome life so far. And uh, I wanted to share him and his travels and his, his like way of living with you because uh, I feel like it's an example, or it's evidence that there's a lot of paths you can travel in this world, in this life, and uh, yeah, it is what you make it. So, that being said, we're going to dive right on into this and see see how the water is. So, without further ado, Dan, how? Welcome friends to another episode of the art and life podcast i'm your host taylor gallegos and with me today is is a very special guest this is a man with a beard that people would kill for and this guy's just a legend in my life personally his name is dan howe and we grew up together and dan lives quite the interesting life and I wanted to showcase it for you. So, Dan, thanks for being on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Taylor. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We uh, we got to go on a camping trip recently in Colorado, and that was a blast. And so it was great to hang out with you again and chill. It definitely was. It was, it was an epic camping trip uh, that was two years overdue. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I mean, we were planning on having a big get together in March, but because of COVID, that didn't work. Although in March, you were in China. Uh, no, in March, I was in the States. Oh, you were back by then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you guys saw the wave coming and got out of the way. Um, yeah, we got we got back to the States at the end of January. Okay. It was yep. suggested by 
uh, the school that my wife works at that we leave the country at that point. Yeah, that's right. You were kind of like our guy on the inside of what was happening on the front lines <laughs> at yeah. that point. Well, can you uh, start out by telling people who you are, where you're from, how you got to where you're at? All right. Uh, well, like you said, my name is Dan Howe, and I grew up uh, in Louisville, so I would say the better town compared to, to where you grew up, but, you know, there's some debate there. There's a little um, debate. We met, we met in high school. Um when the two towns kind of combined to one high school and from there just kind of clicked and you know we we spent some time in fort collins together i went to csu for a little and then ended up in durango colorado uh, in restaurant management and was was managing the applebee's here for a while before we decided to move abroad my wife and i and so then you have lived in some pretty exotic places, a couple of them. And yeah. go ahead. Uh, I mean, I lived in Lander, Wyoming for a summer. I'd say that's pretty <laughs> exotic. That was exotic. I lived in Farmington, New Mexico for a couple of years. I wouldn't say that's exotic. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think what you're talking about is we moved. When I say we, we decided to go abroad, we decided to move to Cairo, Egypt. And yeah. we spent three years there before moving to Shenzhen, China, which is in the tropical area of China, kind of middle southern, right on the border of Hong Kong. And you're doing this because your amazing wife and partner in crime is a teacher. In these jobs in, in these different places. And now yeah. you're joining the fun. Yes. Uh, she, she taught in Korea, South Korea, for about five years. And that's actually kind of how we met was some of our friends, you know, Julie Silva um, and Mickey Post knew her from yeah. Korea. And when she moved back to the States, she moved to a similar area and they kind of get, got us connected that way. And then we both were kind of tired with the jobs we were at. And she's like, why don't we move abroad? And I was like, well, why not? I can retire now. <laughs> um, and she, she took the job in Egypt. And she's been teaching for 20 years now. And I am brand new and newly certified teacher, which will start my first classroom in November back in Cairo, Egypt. And so you guys, when do you leave to go to Cairo? So I think I'm going to leave around the 25th of October. Amanda might leave with me or she might leave earlier, depending. She had three interviews with schools this week and they might have her come earlier. Wow. And so... And this was really great because I got to go visit you. Haley and I went out and visited you in Egypt last year. Was that last year? Yeah, last year. Um, yeah, I mean, technically last year, the, the spring of, of last year. 
Yeah. And it was so cool. It was like, I mean, it was, it was, it's literally the other side of the world. It's completely different culturally than the United States. It's all these different things. And, and you guys have just like made a life out of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have. And, and we, we got to show you kind of a lot of the things that there are, um, but we probably only scratched the surface of what's actually out there. And now we're, our plan is to just continually do this. So with international teaching, your contracts are usually about two years. And so we, we were expecting to spend two years in China, but with everything that happened this year, um, her school gave the option to resign early with no kind of fault. And so we took that option and now we'll probably do two years in, in Cairo again and hopefully make it, we want to make it back to Southeast Asia area. And then we also really want to be in South America, especially for a couple of years as well. Okay, nice. And, and this setup is awesome. It seems like by living abroad, you get, you get paid very well on their standards, right? And then a lot of things are cheaper in general. The cost of living is a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. And so you end up saving a lot of money. Like this is a, and when there's two of you, you guys are like this package deal for schools. So they like you, you're more, even more attractive, right? That is, that's correct. I mean, the first, the first few years, we didn't really get to save any money because I wasn't, really working very much like I was I was tutoring but it wasn't well paying and so we we basically would if we compare it to like when we lived in Durango we broke even but we also had the opportunity to travel to about like I think I hit 18 countries in two years so from Austria to Zimbabwe to South Africa to Sri Lanka and that's something that we wouldn't have been able to do if we were in st- still in the States. And the other side is that if you're with a good school, they pay for your housing, they pay for your flights back and forth once a year, and they like they pay for insurance and all these other things. So in essence, like Amanda usually makes about the same same net as she would if she was teaching in the state, even though the cost of living is still a lot lower. Nice. And then, and then that sort of thing can lead over into like, you guys are investing in homes here and then like Airbnb them or renting them out. Yes. Since, since there's no real retirement fund in what we do, then our goal is to create our own retirement fund, which we've done in kind of real estate. So we didn't really know anything about it, but when we left, we owned a house and we rented it out. And then we're like, well, we can just buy a couple houses and have someone else pay the mortgage. And hopefully our goal is buy one every two years. And after about seven years, we can start paying them off quicker, quicker, quicker. So once we do get to that retirement age, we'll have that nest egg or retirement fund in the real estate. Dude. Yep. See, this is what, this is what I want to talk to you about. I feel like the art of, it's like the art of living well and and like alternatively you guys have gone off the path of like the normal track of the american life mm-hmm. and you've expanded into like a whole like a bigger echelon of 
abilities to travel and then like own places and all these things. It's, it's really cool how you put it together. Yeah. I mean, and it just, like in my point of view, it just kind of fell into place. And with me becoming a certified teacher, like you said, schools, since they pay for housing and stuff like that, we're going to be a lot more marketable with me being a teacher because they're going to, their cost for two teachers will lessen since they're only paying for one house and things like that. And really we just, we, we hear the like, Oh, you can travel when you, when you retire, that's why you're saving this up. And the way we see it is, is do it now while we can, while we can do everything that's possible. I mean, I, as you know, I, I have, I broke my hip and my, my body is deteriorating a lot faster than most. So when I'm 60, am I going to be able to go scuba diving or climb uh, Mount Sinai and Mount Moses or go snowboarding in Austria? I don't know if that's a possibility when I'm 60. So we might as well take advantage and be able to do that. Now. Dude, I like it. I like, I like that little nugget right there, that perspective uh because it's a very present way of living your life and i i i hear that a lot too like people kind of like put off their pleasure until later and there's definitely a value in that because then you don't squander everything you've got in the moment but if you can figure out a way to work it all in and enjoy life now and then also plan for the future that's like the best of both worlds. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so much that, that I wish I would have known when I was younger. Like I wish I would have taken a gap year from high school to college and just like yeah. done some traveling there or even just like work to figure out things because I wasted, I feel I didn't really waste my twenties, but my twenties were not nearly as productive as they should have been. You know what I mean? And so now getting into like my thirties and forties, we're doing even more than what we expected we could do. And you said like, we're, we're outside of the kind of American dream or the American norm. We did that for a while. And, and this lifestyle for us is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, constantly we get to see all the awesome places that you go and the, like the situations that you guys get yourself into are ridiculously awesome. Yeah. All the time. And when we, especially when we talk to like Amanda's parents or like my aunt or some of the, the older generation, I would say they like freak out when we tell them how we travel. Cause when we travel, we just go to a country and we have a hotel room the first night and the last night to make sure we can we have somewhere to stay after the flight and we can get to our flight when we're leaving. But then during that travel, it's by the seat of our pants. If we're like, oh, we really like this place, we'll stay a couple days longer, or this isn't doing us, let's go on to the next. And technology has definitely enhanced our ability to do that because we can just pop on the phone and be like, oh, there's an Airbnb, there's a hotel or something like that. So definitely not something you could have done a while ago but for us and actually experiencing and getting yourself immersed in the culture that's the best way to do it you can't you can't go and travel and plan to like understand the culture if you're on a full itinerary the whole trip yeah and and also 
you guys really immerse yourselves like you don't put a buffer around yourselves in between you and the culture you're not going to all-inclusive places where things are perfectly catered and set up you guys really get into the yeah you just dive in Mm -hmm. we did uh amanda my wife did make a rule this last year where we're gonna spend she won't spend less than her age on a hotel room which (laughs) i feel is a good policy because some of those 20 dollar hotel rooms or 20 dollar airbnbs they're fine with me but cockroaches don't bother me. They bother a minute. So <laughs> we, we have set a little bit more of a standard than what we started with. <laughs> well, and let's be clear for the audience here that um, I, I feel like Amanda is one of the toughest women that I know, like the most fearless. <laughs> she, oh. she'll, she'll just like when traveling, she just gets this look on her face like, do not fuck with me and i'm like i'm not going to be tossed by whatever you're going to throw at me it's a it's a it's a powerful attitude yeah i mean she is definitely an amazing woman and she like if it weren't for her like i would not have the like travel bug and wanting to see things and experience things as much as i do but you're right like she's just straight at it no bullshit like if she wants it she wants it if she wants to do it she wants to do it if she loves it like she wears her emotions on her skin kind of like you do when she's traveling and when she's experiencing these different things (laughs) that's interesting that you say that because she and i have the exact same birthday that is true that is true (laughs) and we we since i don't have to leave later there might be a possibility that we can chill yeah yeah yep we're gonna spend the day on the beach dan i would love it if you guys were there <laughs> i i i like that her birthday's first for the most part because i can spoil her a little but on the other side mine's five days after her hers and so like mine is usually like swept under the rug a little but <laughs> when we get a chance we usually go there's usually a fall break in in international schools around this time um, and so we can usually put like a big birthday trip together when we're abroad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, I want to talk about that trip to Egypt just a little bit. Uh, it was one of the coolest trips of my life. And so for the listeners, here's what happened. Dan had been trying to get me to come to Egypt for a bit. You, you just invite everyone there. Right. And then whoever ends up choosing to go chooses to go and uh at one point dan sent me a message and he was like hey i've got tickets to the red hot chili peppers at the pyramids you should come and and i was sold (laughs) i said yes and then i figured out (laughs) the rest of how to make it happen yeah i mean you know me i always joke that you went to egypt to see the red hot chili peppers and i was just the bonus In, in actual, I mean, you can't you can't turn that down. I mean, it was like the first show at the pyramids in like seven years, and it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and it was fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Like Flea is doing a solo in front of like the Great Pyramid, all it up. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. 
We did no, one little like, hotel snafu, but whatever. It worked out in our favor, yeah. I think. But you handled it. And that was like, you guys just handled it with the locals. The, like, people were just trying to throw some bullshit at you guys, and you weren't having it. And it was really, it was fun to watch you guys work in that culture. Cause in that, in, in Cairo, there's a lot of like uh, back and forth sort of like BSing that goes on with um, like sale, you know, like, merchants and things like that it seems like there's a lot of bartering and like um adjusting of things and you guys just got into the culture really beautifully you guys are awesome tour guides yeah fantastic (laughs) i mean you're lucky that you caught us on like the end of our third year and not like the beginning or middle of our first year because we definitely had learned a lot and knew a lot more at that point um but i for i forget we we never made it to the Sinai, did we? No, we did not. So that's, yeah, that's the one place that, that and like Siwa, but you hit, you hit the magical spot of Luxor. So on top of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Luxor, it was probably, yeah, one of, one of the best trips. When people came to visit me, it was one of our most fun yeah yeah well and great thing because you're gonna be there still and we'll be able to go back and say what's up again that's right cairo was magical the people there were fantastic everyone was so friendly so nice and it was a giant crazy chaotic city but it it worked somehow there's like 19 million people in this huge third world country city Mm -hmm. it's insane the driving there is absolute chaos (laughs) yeah you got into that you did really well there we we did when colin visited i i messed the car up a little but that was the only (laughs) i got in (laughs) oh that's fun and so then from there that's like your little home base where you just travel all over the place and flights are cheap going anywhere into europe and everything else they were i mean obviously the world is in a different state right now and so Going back this year, we don't know how much traveling outside of Egypt we can actually do. Um, the only way we can do that is if we find countries that don't have quarantines. But yeah, like it's I we got a flight. I got a flight within two days. Like it was no, I got it. It was leaving the next day to go to Jordan so we could go to Petra, and I got it for like a hundred and ten dollars round trip. <laughs> that was leaving the next day and so like getting to europe is like two or three hours and it costs you know a couple hundred bucks um and so it is very centralized to be able to go to asia or to europe or anywhere else in africa for fairly cheap and fairly quick yeah hell yeah um yeah man i love it the lifestyle is great um now, one thought that I'm having is that uh, you you had this other life that you lived before you guys moved, and that was uh, being a general manager of an Applebee's and the Applebee's Corporation. Like they saw how well you handled things, and then they moved you to a couple different spots to get their get their places up and running like really well. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you talk about a little bit about what that experience did for you? So. My, I, so like I said, I wish I took a gap year and I started college as a business major and I knew that I kind of always wanted to start my own business. 
and then when I moved to Fort Collins and started going to CSU, we, we worked together at Johnny Carino's and, and, yeah. and I kind of fell in love with restaurant work and I just, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. And I, I'm worked my way up fairly quickly and because you were responsible I, after a while I was responsible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think once I made the decision that I wanted to like raise and rise up in management, then that's when like my brain clicked to be like, all right, this is what you're doing. We're going to be responsible now. Um, before that though, no. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's good. Like I got the job at Applebee's and I, I worked my way from like, entry level management to GM in less than two years. And and I always just saw it as kind of an ends to a mean. Like they're gonna teach me how to run a restaurant. They're gonna teach me the number side. They're gonna teach me like how to how to keep track of supplies and inventory and costs and things like that. And it was great for the first three years. And I was excelling in one of the best general managers out of the entire country. And so they did. They took me. I worked in Gallup, New Mexico store for a little while to try and help them out. I worked in Arvada for a little while to try and help them out. I went to Las Lunas, New Mexico to open a store with them to get them going. Um, and it it really taught me a lot. And, you know, like office jobs for me will not work. So being able to see and move, see different people, talk, interact with hundreds of people a day, and just continually move was what I was really, really excited about and really loved. And just after a while, you get you get to a certain level in corporate to where unless you're going to move another step, it's too hard. Like I was, I I feel I was really good, and I don't want to like sound like I'm patting myself on the back or sounding like an uptight ass, but I was really good, and I just you always have to beat yourself. And after three or four years, I just, it made it impossible for me to beat myself. And so that's kind of Whoa. when we, when we decided it didn't, it didn't matter if I was performing better than all the other stores. They're like, well, you're not performing better than yourself last year. And I'm like, yeah, but I was the number three general manager of the country. So only two people did that last year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are pretty impossible metrics once you get to that level. And so, I mean, I'm never going to, like, talk bad about Applebee's. Like, it's just, it's the corporate environment. And I'm not, like, I cherish the time and what I learned in the restaurant and working my way up and, the like, the relationships that I built. Today, I went golfing with one of my cooks from six years ago. And just things like that is you can't, you can't ever deny it. And I think it actually has helped me in becoming a teacher as well. Really? How? Uh, I feel that my job as a restaurant manager and being a teacher are very, very similar. I mean, my job was to teach everyone what to do. Like, I'm going to teach you how to cook. I'm going to teach you how to serve, how to do it the way that Applebee's wants. I'm going to teach the other managers how to facilitate. And you're working with, you know, a hundred different personalities and you're trying to pull the best performance out of each person. And I feel like that's kind of exactly what a teacher does, but in a, but you're working with people a lot younger. 
And so you're still trying to teach them. In this case, you might be teaching them, you know, like basic math or the states in the in America or you know some biology or English, but you're still teaching them something and you want you need to figure out how the best way this person can learn compared to this person like when you're when you're teaching people it's not a black and white it's this person learns this way this person learns that way and you have to kind of figure that out and be able to work around all those different uh, personalities Totally. Totally. What's uh what are some keys I think or like to to expressing something to somebody else? I mean like what are, do you feel like it's it's just like get understanding how somebody else works or are there like standard elements that you follow? I mean there there's there's definitely definitely some standards, but the other side is is how how do you get this person to really do and understand what you want them to do. And you know, you know my personality and I'm super optimistic and I thrive off of kind of happiness. You know what I mean? Like I'm never really that sad dwelling type of person. And I've taken that into like my teaching and my management style of, hey, if you praise them or if you see someone doing something right, praise them and hopefully the people not doing it right hear that and want to do it right, then that's kind of one of the best ways. But you also have to understand that some people aren't like that and it's just like, no, this is how it's done. This is how you have to do it. Final, that's it. And that's how they respond. So it's just understanding the best way to get the people to respond to what you want them to do. Yeah. And then there's uh, the patience element too. I feel like you've really had to like develop your patience because you're really smart and you understand things pretty quickly. And then a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's accurate? Uh, I appreciate the compliments and yes, I feel that's, that's fairly accurate. Um, (laughs) And, and it's, it is funny. Like when I was, when I was starting in in management or even like thinking about having kids, you know, I'm like, I'm never going to be the person that's like, do this because I say so. Like there's always going to be a reason. And I feel that I, I have worked that into what I've done. Like, even if I didn't necessarily agree with some of the changes that were in the restaurant, I would go about it and explain to them, well, well, this is the reasoning why we're doing it. And this is why it's going to be better. And so just try it this way and we'll see if it, if it actually works out that way. And I think, you know, that's kind of how, how I've tried to move. And I, and patience is definitely a virtue and I've learned how to, how to handle that a lot better than when I was younger. Yes. Because (laughs) There are points where I'm like, it's it's just this. Why haven't you done this yet? <laughs> but I never say that. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, that's a really a great way of doing it. Is I feel like coming down to the level or coming to the level, meeting people at the level where they are at, and explaining it to them of the why. Mm-hmm. Like, um, we've been Haley and I have been hanging out different friends who have kids and we're around dogs all the time. And one, one thing that I'm 
really seeing that works really well is to like physically get down to the level of like a dog or or a kid or a baby Mm -hmm. because then they can see you on the level and then they don't they're not like intimidated by you you're not like holding this like higher stature above them yeah and it kind of seems like that same sort of thing on like a metaphorical level of if you can meet somebody where they are and then speak to them in those terms then it's just so much more transferable and like you can really get thing people pick things up a lot quicker yeah definitely i mean you're saying metaphorical i'm saying physical as well um kind of the last time i think the last time we, we saw each other when we were camping or no it was the it was the time before um and i told you i was working on my posture and part of that reason because like i was always i've always been larger than everyone else taller and wider but i always kind of like tried to go down to their level which gave me super bad posture um and going into the restaurant i would always sit down at the tables at their level so we're eye to eye and it does like you just need you need to understand where everyone is and and be able to work around that and so how far down you have to dig in the why or the reasoning it doesn't really matter as long as they come out with the same understanding as you have. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting. You, uh, you have a always kind of fit. You're just a large human being mm-hmm. and you've had, you've always like tried to not be too intimidating. And I remember we used to talk about this when we lived together in Lander about how you would sort of take on a different voice because you didn't want to be like physically intimidating to people. You would like take on a lighter voice Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's like the world's a different place when you're, when you're a big, bigger human being. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as I know it is, cause I've, I mean, I've been the same size since I think eighth grade. Like I think I might've grown an inch since eighth grade. And so like, <laughs> I've never been the smallest person <laughs> or nope. like there, there were, there was, so, so there's a, there was a pool league in Cairo and one of the pool teams and my pool team, I was around eight people. They were all bigger than me. And I feel like that's like <laughs> the only time I've been around that many people who are all a little taller. And some of them were even like, physically bigger like stature size bigger and i'm like this is kind of crazy to me <laughs> yeah well and i i was the opposite like i was five two in freshman year of high school when you and i were hanging out mm-hmm. that was when like when we started hanging out you're you're your side what are you like six two six three uh six three so i probably had a little less than a foot on you at that point yeah and i weighed like a a buck 10 and uh <laughs> yeah and then i grew a bunch and now i'm like six feet tall and skinny but but it's it was always really funny to me when you when we were around someone who was bigger than you because i was like you are my uh you know <laughs> generalization of like a big person so when someone's bigger than you yeah like damn that guy's that guy's bigger than you <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like my one of my good buddies from cairo who actually went to china as well like john benches he's He's a big dude as well. Like he's got two inches on me, and yeah, 
seeing seeing the world from different different levels is is definitely interesting. All right, so then let's segue that into like what's it like traveling through the world and like phil you know philosophically like connecting with people from different languages like you're you didn't have time to learn all the languages of all the places you're going like what what is communication like what is the comfort level like being in these different places are people from different places very different and unique or are they similar in lots of ways or are we all the same in certain ways what would you say I mean, we're definitely all the same in certain ways, but different cultures and different people definitely have different standards and so, or not standards, but different ways of living. And so it, for us, we definitely tried to learn the Egyptian Arabic and it's just a super hard language. And we got, we got to the point where we could, we could get by in any shop with um but it also depends on those those cultures so like egypt egypt is is more third world and they don't have all the technology technology that you know people advance when we got to china we didn't need to learn anything like we would say something into our phone and just it would translate and they would be like oh okay and so communication and english is also I don't want to say it's like the world language, but 60% of everyone in the world knows enough English to where you can kind of get by. And then I say that we're all very similar. Like Egyptians are super friendly, super happy to help. And like I was walking around and they saw me kind of looking at my phone. They're like, what are you looking for? What do you need? I'm like, oh, I'm looking for this. They're like, oh, some of them would actually walk me there or just point me in the right direction. But that's, I think that's what people just want those interactions and people are friendly and people just want to be helpful and nice. Like that's what I've learned on all my travels. Everywhere we've gone, everyone's super friendly. Most of the time, super happy and really wanting to help you out. It's it's when you get into the monetary thing of like, we're going to sell you something that it can go sideways. But in the generalization of everything, like people are just happy that you're in their country and enjoying it and they want to show it off. Yeah, totally. And so then the like financial transactions, that's where every country and culture has like a unique sort of, uh, I guess like standard practices that you need to be aware of. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say, like tipping being one tiny example of that. Yeah, so there, there's certain things that we, like when we're traveling to a country, there's certain things that we always kind of search for in advance. And like the first, like one is how how available our cre- is credit card usage. So like in Cairo, you can't really use credit cards a lot of places, but it's mainly a cash system. In China... You also can't use credit cards, but they're also not really a cash system. They have their own, like, you kind of have to have a Chinese bank to do things in China. Um, And, like, Sri Lanka was not really a credit card system. But if you go to the more advanced, like Europe or South Africa, you can use credit cards anywhere. And the second was, like, yes, tipping. Like, what is the acceptable tip? Is it 10%? Is it 5%? Is it nothing? 
So there's that. And then we also just try and learn like seven to 10 to 20 phrases, you know, hello, thank you, uh, and things like that. But we can at least immerse ourselves a little bit more. And when the locals see that you're trying, then they're more willing to kind of help. Um, and then the other side of that is just kind of safety issues. Those are kind of the four things we search when we travel places. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Like where to be, like what time not to be places. Uh, well, it's just more like when I say safety issues, it's just more like people say that Cairo is a dangerous place. I felt safer in Cairo than I do in America because there's the, there's the unpredictability of America where Cairo, there's no people to people violence. And so like when you're traveling, you always have to have this sense of awareness of maybe pickpocketers or things like that. But it's also like for my wife, is there, is there like chance for groping or like, what does she have to wear to be less obvious, I guess, you know, cause you, when you travel, you don't want to stand out, but you also want to respect the culture you're in. Yep. Yep. And there are culture. And- so it's just kind of, yeah, most places are the safety is just pay attention to yourself when you're in crowded areas. Like that's kind of what we ran into. Yeah. Yep. Stay uh stay connected with each other as much mm-hmm. as you can. Yeah, I mean I don't think I've ever had any issue. I think I try I think some kids tried to pickpocket me when we were in Morocco, but I had my hands in my pocket and I felt this tiny hand kind of go in and come out. And I was spying like three little kids just kind of wandering around together, like I and everyone. And I think for the only hmm. time, but again, it was just I'm aware, so I'm keeping my hands yeah like when you're traveling you don't want to uh give people too much of a reason to go after you it's like there's i think that a lot of people probably run into issues because they're just like their awareness level is just so mm-hmm. low and then they they're like they're like making it too easy for people to pickpocket them so like why wouldn't yeah. they and the other side, again, is my size detours things on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't pick you as a person I'd want to pickpocket from. <laughs> uh, all right, Dan, let's get into the uh, the question section. You ready for uh, I hope so. All right, whatever you do, don't get scared. Okay. All right. So if you, you, you kind of got into this a little bit earlier, but if you could go back and talk to little Dan, when you were like seven to 10 years old, what advice would you give yourself at seven to 10? Yeah. Or or maybe like seven to 15. All right. Uh, So I think the first bit of advice would be respect money and credit cards. Um, because I, I did not do myself well in the credit card section and my credit score when I was younger, um, in my early twenties. 
the other side, I think, would be kind of take that theory. Well, I was going to say of take the theory of not saying no, but I feel I did that already. Yeah. And so I think I think the money issue when I was younger would probably be the first thing. And the second thing would be to um, not have so much stock in what people want from you. So when I, when I was younger, like I, I spent a lot of time like contemplating and trying to be what my parents wanted to be or what other bosses or things like that. And that just, it, it confuses you when you're younger and when you're in your like twenties, you just have to, you have to be your own person and walk around as your own person. And if the people around you accept it, then that's good. If the people around you don't accept it, then they're probably not the people that you want around you. Mm, that's nice. Yep. Yeah. Cause then they're wanting you for their own reasons. Yeah. Like you don't want to be, or they're wanting something from you. You want to be yourself. You don't want to be moldable from the people around you. Like you, you want to be that person. And if they're accepting, then that's great. If they're not, then keep moving. Yeah. And true friends, true respectful relationships in your life are going to want the best for you. Yeah. And they're not going to want to like mold you into something for yeah. them. Uh, I would also that probably would tell myself to not be a dumbass when you're driving between the ages of 17 and 19. 16 and 19. Ooh, that's really, that's really good <laughs> advice, man. You, you could have used that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't say I was a bad driver, but you know, when you hit a couple of parked cars and you get pulled over like 30 times in high school, you're, doing something a little wrong <laughs> you were always so proud of how you got out of so many tickets well i mean i say i got pulled over 30 times i only got one ticket i'd say that's pretty good that is pretty good you had some sort of like voodoo magic with police officers um maybe for all y'all out there listening this is what you need to tell your kids when they become driving age if you get pulled over have your shit ready if you can. If not, have your hands at 10 and 2. Be respectful. <laughs> That's, That's how, how I do it. it. My hands were always at 10 and yeah. 2. And if I had my stuff ready, it was better. If not, I was like, hey, I'm going to get my stuff. Here, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Or me. <laughs> yes, correct. Nice. Um, all right. All right. Next question. Here we go. We're moving right along. Uh, in five years from now, let's say everything goes exactly as you want it to. What do you see taking place? Now you, this can be on a personal level in your own life. This can be on, um, like a community level or a worldwide level. Um, so taking place, I feel, so in about five years on a personal level I hope to have had five years of teaching experience and at that point probably been to our third country 
and two more houses for our retirement. Um, and I think just kind of continuing, continuing what I've, what I've been trying to do and push people to, to go outside of their comfort zones of traveling and experiencing things and doing things that they're unsure of, but would better them as people. And I feel that kind of goes worldwide as in like people just go out of their comfort zones and do things that is better for them and better for the betterment of the community or society, then we're all going to be in a better place, especially in the times we're in right now. And like times we're in right now, as in like every people are so divided. Do you, is that what yeah, you're getting like at? Yeah, like I think bit? people are so they're so divided on like I'm red, I'm blue, this I'm Christian or whatever that they're focusing on what people around them and what people of that side are saying and doing and following that instead of being like, well this is what I feel and this is what's going to make me better. And this is what's going to make everyone better. They both can align with what their actual beliefs are, but they're feeding into what everything around them is, is, is saying. So they're not pushing what they actually want or what they actually feel. If that makes sense. Yep. Totally. Totally. They're getting lost in the, in the, Mm-hmm. group and not being themselves i like that i like that um yeah it's a that's a nice vision of the future all right next question who has been a major influence on your life this can be anybody that pops into your mind so i would probably say two people at this point you know one of them. Um, so Pete Zorba, our high school soccer coach, had a big influence on my life when I was growing up. And I can't, like, I would not be the person I was without him. And I think he taught, what he taught me was, you're never, you're never alone. And so there's always people around you. And those people need help as well. And when you all combine, you can do great things. And I think that's part of the reason why, like, we all have such great friendships after, what is it now, like, almost 20 years. And so that that was a big kind of, like, his, his push to be, like, your people are your people and you need to take care of your people and they'll take care of you was big in my life when I was growing up. And I would say secondary now is, would be Anthony Bourdain. Um, because he just, he had a love of experience and going to places and no matter what happened, like it was always, he always showed a positive of the, people that he was around the experiences the communities and so like that kind of helped me in in being able to do what I do you know what I mean like going to places that I might not have the greatest feel or the greatest 
love of the place, but I'm going to find the positivities of everywhere I go, whether they're minimal or grand. That's awesome. Yeah, he he really was just like a groundbreaking human in a lot of ways and then just shared that. I, it's cool that you say that because as you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. He's totally an influence on you. I yeah. can see that. I mean, it's so, so sad and like people just need to understand like there's always background issues, but what he did for the entire world was amazing and he he really pushed me to like just find the good in whatever whatever experience you're having. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Rest in peace. Um, all right. All right. Here we go to the next question. My final question for you is, what is your definition of art? Uh, so you know that I am not, I don't consider myself artistic whatsoever. Um, but I feel like when when you say what is art, like I just feel like art is creativity and creativity that manifests in whatever form it is. And with that, so whether it's a painting or a sculpture or a building or even food, like food can be art more than a lot of other things I feel and it's just showing like pulling the creativity or finding the the kind of I don't want to say voice I'm trying I'm thinking of a specific word but I can't think of it right now um your your specific thought and putting the creative creativity into that thought and putting it into something else to where other people can experience that thought. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. What is, what is your definition of creativity? I mean, creativity is just creativity. You're, you're, you can't answer the question with the same word. I, in the question, I was going to explain Taylor. All right. Give me a second. Okay. <laughs> so, you're, you're create, let's let's say so the t- the turtle painting that you just did for to to raise money for conservatives conservatism right yeah for conservation of uh, eco or of wildlands in Southern California and Baja Mexico okay so you're you took you went from like we're gonna try and save the the turtles in the ocean and the sea, and I'm going to put this on a painting, right? Yeah. Your creativity pulled that turtle out and put it on a canvas to where we could see that. And it might take you to explain some little nuances of like this, but like when I look at it, I might look at the eye and be like, that eye looks a little sad. And it might not be your vision but that's kind of what art is is it takes your creativity but my eye looks at it a little differently and if i have a thought of i'm gonna make uh let's say i'm gonna make a smoked tamale and i want it to have some paprika and some chili um and i'm gonna throw some green chilies in 
the cornmeal, the cornmeal around it. And that's that's what I'm saying about creativity is like other people might be like, I'm going to make a tamale, but the creativity is how you design it. And then you can taste it and you can say, this tastes like shit. But Amanda could taste it and be like, this is the most amazing tamale I've ever had. And I think that's kind of, it's whatever your thought is, putting it into what you're working on. And then you have an idea, but other people also be, they might see the same idea. They might pull something different, but what they pull is not necessarily bad. It's their interpretation of your idea on that platform, media. Yep. Yep. I like it, Dan. You, uh, I served that up, and you, and you took it out to the humans. That was great. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't, don't tell me I can't use creativity to explain creativity. You can't use a word in the definition of a word. But creativity is creativity. Oh, you're being creative now. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, uh, Dan, this is the part of the show where I, uh, to I. I I show some love to my guest and uh, Dan, you're fucking great, dude. We've, uh, we've been through it all. You, we lived together in Lander, Wyoming for a summer. We have been across the world. We've seen so many things together, the great pyramids. And uh, I've just watched you grow as a human. And I feel like the key to your growth is that yes mentality and giving things a try. And it has taken you to amazing places and it's going to continue to do so. And you're a, you're a freaking stand up gentleman. So good job on that. We have say out of all the people I've known, we have most, but out of all my friends, you've had the most epic experiences together that I'd say friends haven't had together. And it's been amazing over these last years or whatever we've known each other. Yep. Yep. Well, here's to a ton more. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, where can the people connect with you online? Is there can people say hi? To you uh, they can. So my Instagram is how's life eighty one, and that's H O W E S life eighty one. Nice. If they have questions about traveling, ways of ways of being out in the world, they can say what's up. Definitely ask you. I'm always down to encourage and give push to people to go travel. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. I can't wait till our next adventure. Um, all right. Well, do you have uh, you have one last nugget of wisdom for the humans? Um, I mean, I think I obviously. We, we've talked about how my, my don't say no mentality has, has gone a long way. But I think in these times and with everything that's going on in the world, um, the future is bright. And even though today seems bad, tomorrow will be better. I like it. 
The sun will rise again. Yeah, there's there's never going to be an amount of sadness or pain that overwhelms anyone. The next day, the next week, the next month, it will be better. Hell yeah. This too shall pass. I like that. All right, Dan. Well, hey, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you having me on here. It was fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Glad this happened. Um, Yeah, man. Keep on being awesome. Later. Cheers. So that, my friends, was Dan Howe. Dan is the man. I hope you guys know that. If you don't know that, now you know. That was a blast. It's always a good, good time having friends on podcasts. You know, friends with podcasts. It's great. We just chill, talk about the good times. And <clears throat> Dan has lived an awesome life. And I feel like he's he set a really good example for everybody of pushing himself outside of his comfort zone and then growing from that. And I think we can all definitely take a page out of his playbook and push our world to expand in different ways and travel is one amazing way to do that you get to experience new people new food all these different things that really stretch your understanding of what life can be like and then from there it's got a really cool effect of what it does your, your view, your perspective on your own life, on where you're from, the customs and cultures there. It, it's like we can't even really understand the temperature of the water we're in when we, until we compare it with other water elsewhere. So there's a lot of wisdom to be gained through travel. And right now, everybody's locked down in, uh, in place, basically. But I think what that's kind of doing is pulling the slingshot back even farther. It's making us remember the good times when we could travel so freely. And it's helping us to look forward to that again. And we are definitely not going to take it for granted when we get to fly to Europe again or go to South America or do whatever it is that we want to do. Those are some of the things that I want to do. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? If you could get on an airplane right now and fly somewhere and just have a three-week vacation, chilling out, enjoying the local cuisine, where would you go? Think about that. Manifest it into the future. So that was it. That's all I got for today. I hope that you are being creative in your world and in your life and you're encouraging others to be creative because that is the spice of life. That is what makes it really worth living, having fun, enjoying things, trying new things, experimenting. This is what it's all about. This is why we're here. We only live once as far as we know. And no one on their deathbed regrets the things that they did. They always regret the things that they didn't do. So keep that in mind. And with that, lots of love. That's what I got. That's all I got here. Cheers.